Welcome to the Real Life Webinar. Whether you're experiencing hardship, searching for encouragement and motivation, or simply want a refreshing reminder that you're not alone, we are so glad that you're here. Our hope is that you'll find these discussions about real life topics helpful and discover practical ways to apply this information and advice to your life. We are here to help you find real solutions to real problems. Welcome to Real Life, presented by Chestnut Ridge Church. I'm your host, Jim Matuga. Today on Real Life, our topic is money, and we'll be discussing the challenges, the issues, even concerns related to your money and your finances. Our goal is to give you some professional, some practical, and even some biblical advice on how you and your loved, one can, loved ones can navigate these issues of, of money and personal finances and opportunities that might occur uh, in that realm. And we have a great panel of experts lined up for you today on this episode of Real Life. First, we have John Stolar. He is the co-founder and financial planner at Orion Financial in Morgantown. John, welcome to the program today. Thanks. It's great to be here. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for being with us. Doug Kramer is an Edward Jones financial advisor for more than 25 years. Doug, welcome to the program. All right. Thank you, Jim. Glad to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for your time. Jason Boland is a certified public accountant, a CPA, and a certified financial planner with Cunningham Powell Alexander based in Morgantown. Jason, welcome to the program. Thanks, Jim. Again, guys, thank you so much for, for being here. It's, it, it's an honor and a privilege to have you on this panel to discuss money and personal finance. You know, when we hear the word money, uh, depending on our current situation, it can cause a whole spectrum of thoughts and emotions and feelings, uh, maybe uh, uh, something of joy, maybe something of stress. So whether you're struggling financial, financially and need help, uh, whether you're in a stable financial position and have room to grow and improve proven your finances and personal uh, money handling, or if you're thriving financial, financially and, and you're in a good spot and are just seeking ways to bless others and advance God's kingdom with your, with your money, uh, we, we hope to cover all those bases today. And we believe that the collective passion and expertise that our panel has, uh, is bringing to the discussion today that we can help many people. So we're just glad to have you guys with us. Let's jump right in and talk about money. John, I'd love to start with you. And I'm going to bring this question to each of you guys to kind of get us started, a 30,000-foot view, if you will. Talk a little bit about uh, your experience with not only helping your clients as financial planners, uh, but just your personal experience with money. What are some of the some of the lessons that you've learned over the years? We've all been through uh, experiences now. Uh, talk a little bit about, John, your experience, lessons learned with dealing with personal finance and money? Well, I think that what I've learned from meeting with people over the years is that debt affects them forever, okay? And the, the, the decision you make early in life can stay with you all the way to retirement because we see people come in that are going to retire that still have student loan debt, for example, um, mm you know, that can have a dramatic effect in and, and your lifestyle. Um, I think uh, yeah, there's good debt, house, car, education. Uh, but I would say uh, too many people have bad debt. 
vacation. I mean, to go into debt to go on vacation is not really an investment in that's going to benefit you in the future. Or I had a friend that went to take pictures of features and they paid for their pictures, but other people that were there, they they borrowed money to take pictures of their family. And you know, you pay that you're, you know, that debt just doesn't help you get to your goal. So I, I think debt is one of the number one things that I see over the years that I've learned yeah. to try and avoid bad debt. Yeah. John, thank you for sharing that. And we'll, we'll dig deeper into that subject here in, in a few minutes. Sure. Uh, Doug, I'd love to go next to you. Talk a little bit, if you would, uh, about, you know, some of the, your experiences and some of the things that you've learned over the years about personal finance and money. What's some of the the, the top of the wave kind of things that you that you're seeing you've seen out there during your career. Uh, well, that's a that's a good question, Jim. And, and I would say that uh, first of all, I, nobody is perfect with their money. Everybody's got challenges, and and whether mm. people don't have enough or they have just enough or have too much, <laughs> uh, you know, some people are better with it than others. But uh, but we all have some challenges, and I think what what is important and what I've noticed with people that have, uh, say, joy with their money is they've got a couple of the basics figured out. And I I would call those basics generosity and gratefulness. And and I can tell you from myself that I think that makes a big difference. Um, When I was a kid, I I remember seeing my dad stick a $20 bill in the envelope to give to church. And and, and we didn't have a lot of money. We weren't poor, but, you know, not, not very many people had that much money back then. But I was thinking, I'm thinking as a kid, it's like, why doesn't he just give me that $20 once in a while and all that fun stuff I could buy and I'd be so happy, you know, you don't have to give it to me all the time, but once in a while, give me the $20, right? Yeah. Uh, what I didn't understand at the time is the concept of generosity and gratefulness. And in fact, kind of embarrassed to say it took me a long time to get through that. I, I was a greedy, I don't know what other word it would call it. I'll, I'll call myself, I was greedy when I was young. And I remember getting out of college thinking, you know, I'm going to work in a fancy office and make a bunch of money. And, you know, I was going to, uh, my goal was to make a hundred thousand dollars a year. And that, that was my goal in life. And uh, pretty much what ended up was I was a wandering generality for several years until, you know, God thumped me over the head a few times and tried to get my attention, I think. And I remember reading a book once um, on gratefulness, and hmm. the, the, one of the things that it that it had in there uh, to do, if you will, was to write down twenty five things that you're grateful for. And I did that, and and I spent some time over the next few months uh, looking over the list and changing it and rewriting it. And I think it helped me understand that what I have is okay. God's given me enough, if you will. Hmm. And, and I also remember reading another book. It wasn't biblically based, but it talked about generosity. And one of the things that it said that I always think about is it said that it was, I guess it was psychologically based. And one of the things that they said is if you give money away, and again, whether it's you take a friend to lunch and buy him lunch, or you give money to the church or the homeless person on the street, but if you give away five bucks, what you're telling your brain is, I, ha- I have enough. Yeah. You teach your brain that you have enough. And, and um, you know, so, but kind of back to the gratefulness, and, and I know it's maybe it's hard for us so much that because we have so much, 
But, you know, I just, you know, so once in a while, I ask myself or I ask you is, you know, has your belly been full once today? You know, what, did you did you clean your teeth this week with a with a little tiny stick and a blade of grass? Um, you know, did, did you take a shower? Um, did you did you use soap with that shower? You know, I, these sound like trite comments, but I was in a research, I don't know, 10 years ago or eight years ago, whatever. I don't know how long ago it was, but anyway, I don't know if this is exactly true today, but I'm sure the idea is out there is one of the, this guy was investing in the developed economies. And one of the things that he shared with us is he said, over the next 10 years, 200 million people on this planet, 200 million people will for the first time in their lives buy soap, buy toothpaste, have a Coca-Cola, Maybe a maybe a, a an ice cream cone. They're not thinking about oh that my car's eight years old. I, I you know whatever. Um, but two hundred million people for for the first time will have those things. Wow. And so and I think we all know this. We have plenty to be grateful for. And it's just we have a choice in our mind. Do we do we focus on what we don't have or do we focus on what we do have? And I'm as guilty as everybody. I mean it's something that you it's like a muscle. You got to keep working it. You got to keep thinking about it. So I wish I had understood the concepts of gratefulness and generosity when I was young. Life would have been a lot easier for me. Doug, thank you for that perspective and insight. It, it reminds me uh, of a quote that says, "I complained that I had no shoes until I met a man with no feet." And uh, that, that's, uh, that's perspective and talking about gratefulness. Jason, I'd love to get your thoughts on this kind of, kind of a 30,000 foot view of money. Some of the things you've learned over the years. Yeah. I think I would probably just echo, echo Doug there. Um, I think it doesn't matter who I'm talking with. It doesn't seem like it because, you know, we, we were talking before the recording started, we're all kind of in professions where we're, we're talking to people with means, um, you know, maybe not, uh, I don't think anybody's talking to billionaires, but, you know, we've, we're in a place where we're working with people who've, uh, kind of got their act together a little bit, but, um, I think it's true of everyone that I've talked to that our natural state as people is to not feel like we ever have enough. Um, so a lot of the work is around, um, identifying and coming to understand, you know, personally a level, what is enough for me and mm -hmm. choosing that level in some ways, um, because that allows you to open up to what Doug was talking about, to the, the gratefulness, to generosity, yeah. um, places where you have the opportunity to, to make an impact in the world. Um, now, all that being said, we realize there are also people listening that, you know, really factually, they're not going to, you're not going to be able to save another dime now this month. Uh, maybe you really have enough. Maybe that's, that's not where you are, but um, I think the majority of the people that we talk to and probably listening to this podcast, you know, if you answered those questions about, <laughs> did you take a shower this week? Uh, you have hot water. Mm. You're doing pretty well. So yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So I think a lot of the work involved in, you know, the financial advising professions or that sort of thing are helping people think through, well, what is enough? And then if we're not there yet, what are the strategies? What do we need to change to get there? 
Great stuff, Jason. Thank you for your insight as well, guys. That was a great start to this talk. You know, I, when I think about money, I'm kind of a simple thinker. When I think about money, I think there's three things basically that we can do. We can invest some of it. We can give some of it. That's that generosity component. We can enjoy some of it. But ultimately, what it comes down to is we have to have a game plan. And most people call a game plan for their money a budget, right? So let's talk, let's kind of start at the point, you know, um, and then I'd like to move into like, how do we start working a budget? But then also, you know, how do we pay off debt? I, one of the greatest uh, definitions of the word budget I ever heard was this. And it said, a budget is telling your money where to go as opposed to wondering where it went. And so many people that I come across, even in my personal you know, sphere, uh, family members, you know, they always talk about there's too much month left at the end of the money, right? And so they pull out their credit card. And just like you were talking about, John, they, they start getting into debt. So how, what are some basic principles? You know, my, my personal belief is that you start with a, a zero-based budget where you, you, you know how much income you have in, in the month. And I get people have varying incomes. Maybe they're working on commission or, or seasonal work or something like that. But you, you take your income and then you list out all your expenses and you assign every one of those dollars to where to go. And at the end, you have a zero, right? And, and part of that, like, you know, personally, when we, we map out our budget, we, our first line item is giving. You know, we have our, you know, tithe, we have our charitable contributions, then we have all of our bills, and then we have our savings. And at the end of it, it's a zero. What, what are some strategies you guys employ or think about with regard to a, just a, a personal budget, whether it's an individual or a family? I'd love to hear some on budgeting. Um, I'll go first. I, I made mistakes early on in my career, even in the money business started in 1986, which I can't believe I'm saying that, um, <laughs> how time flies, but you know, I, You're young. I, was, I was young and, and, you know, we didn't follow a budget. Um, and uh, I was trying to help people save money and do life insurance for them. You know, younger people need that. So, uh, you know, I made mistakes along the way and, and, but I learned pretty quickly that, um, you know, there's only so much money coming in the door. And I, I had it in my head that I didn't really want to be in, in debt um, other than maybe a home. So, um, you know, we stuck, we stuck to it after I, after I got my act together and, you know, an emergency fund, these guys all know that basic stuff. Uh, we like to say three to six months of your take home pay, but even if you just have a thousand dollars or $500 as an emergency fund or $250 as an emergency fund, as long as you have some type of little backup, just in case something breaks or just in case, you, you know, you have a problem, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I would encourage people to do that, you know, and avoid those mistakes, try to head it off at the past because I've lived through that. And, uh, and before we started that, when we first got married, I was, you know, when you own your own business and you start your own business, you're scared to death that you may not make any money for the month. So, we had to be very careful and, and, and watch every penny. And, you know, credit card things are much easier now than it was, you know, 30 years ago. It's, it's everybody has a credit card and you can have 10 of them. So, um, yeah, I made mistakes, but, you know, you have to learn from them and, and learn quickly and that, that can keep you out of trouble. Absolutely. Doug, talk a little bit about some, some tactics that you would recommend for just setting a monthly budget. So, um, 
Yeah, well, I, I would say that you got to, you, probably the biggest thing is to understand who you are and the type of person that you are. And, and what I mean by that is this, um, I, early in my career, uh, when I got through my wandering generality stage, um, I, I did, uh, I read several things about money and wealth and different things. And, and one of the things <laughs> I talked about was budget. And you know, they talk about writing down everything that you spend your money on. Yeah. And, um, and honestly, for some people, that can be kind of difficult. I guess item number one is I would say, don't let the thought of doing a budget overwhelm you. And so, because it can be a, a, a very difficult task. And I even, I work with people and it's like, they tell me they're spending X dollars a year. And then we took a look at their income and what they're saving. And I'm like, well, where's this other 15,000 a year going? And they're like, I don't know. <laughs> now, that, that's what I was saying, you know, wondering where your money went as opposed to telling where your money to go, you know, right? I mean, that's, exactly. That's, that's exactly what's going on. So, so, but, but what I did was I took, um, you know, and I would go like for a half a day. Okay. 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 From this morning till noon, I'm going to write down everything and then another day and then I'll do it in the afternoon or, and so I just did a little bit to help myself get, get a good idea of where it was at. And, um, and, and so that did help me a little bit, but, but um, I tell you the first thing that, or the thing that really helped me the most is I started, and this is going to sound very Christianese and it's, and it's, but it's more than that, but it's the truth at the same time. But when I started giving to God first, since yeah. I started doing that, don't, nobody tell anybody I said this because I'm a financial advisor, but I've never done, I've not done a budget for 30 years. Okay. But what I do is this money for the church comes out first. My wife and I have another account that we do for gifting and we throw, if we get a little extra, we throw in there and I put my money in my retirement account and those things are done first and whatever's left, I can do whatever I want to with it. Yeah. Okay. And, and that's just what works for me in the long run. But I think it is important to start, um, you know, again, just make it easy. You don't have to get all the details, but try to come close. You know, Doug, you bring up a good point because it can be a daunting thing to get started. And what's, what's neat about, you know, 2022 is the fact that we live in a, in a world where we have these amazing pieces of software apps that we can put it right on our phone, on our devices or whatever, and we can just plug it in. We could tie it into our bank account and see like exactly how we're spending our money. And I think even some of the, the banks that, that, that are out there today, even with their online banking system, they, they'll help you track your money too. So it's kind of neat to be, un, be understanding like where your money is actually going, because a lot of that power, even if, you know, whether we're working a minimum wage job or we're at the top of our profession, we, we can make a difference with how we act and who we are. And I love that point that you, you bring up. Jason, maybe you could speak to this topic as well with regard to budgeting. Yeah, so you actually were, went exactly where my head was going. Um, I think even 10 years ago, it was a harder, uh, harder process when you talked about budgeting because you're thinking about get down a pad of paper and a pencil and go through and try to remember what you spent money on and, and all of that. Um, I, I'm a big believer, number one, uh, when I talk to clients about budgeting, you know, that's not the starting point. The starting point for me is let's, let's see where we are. Let's not see where we want to be because that's what a budget, the, you know, that, that process kind of turns into is I sit down 
And I said, well, I need to spend this much money on eating out and I need to spend this much money on this and this and this. And so you're starting making targets of what you want to do before you realize where you actually are. And so I, <laughs> That's you know, even point. for yeah. people who aren't aggregating yep. data um, through a, through an app. And I, I mean, I think the big free one out there is mint.com. There's stuff we use in our office that, you know, doesn't have the advertisements tied to it, but you know, it, it's, and it's a, a fast of, you know, how much information you want to share with, with a company. But um, even older clients that don't have that, what I'll do is I said, just bring, bring in, three months worth of bank statements or credit card statements of, of what you're doing right now. And if I can put my eyes on that, I can give you a pretty good estimate of what your monthly budget is and kind of, kind of aggregate that way. So that's step number one, where are we? And then you start picking through that and you say, what are the things that can't move? Uh, House payment, car payment, utilities, um, you know, what's the non-discretionary, this has got to go out every month. Um, get those rocks in and then you, you see what discretionary is left. And then to, to uh, Doug's point, I think where we were going was um, then you can start making decisions on your discretionary side and say, well, I want giving to become non-discretionary or I want whatever else it is a 401k. Um, And that would be my other tip is once you've made the decision What's the thing that I want to do? Um, automate that as much as you can. So, you know, whether that's through withholding from your paycheck, whether it's through auto drafting out of your, your bank account, basically every, you know, I'm with Doug. I, I hate to say it, but I haven't done really an official budget for a long time. Um, but what I do is anything that I know is an immovable, this is happening that's set up on auto pay and it's not something where I had to even take the effort to go write a check or to go online and pay the bill. Uh, Mm -hmm. it just happens without me even remembering it. Yeah. That's good stuff guys. And it's, I like each one of your perspective because you know, we're, we're all a little bit different and that's the beautiful thing about personal finance. It's personal, right? So there's not one formula, but, but having a game plan, I think is, is essential. And that kind of brings me to the, to the next topic that I wanted to cover is, you know, we, we talk about, um, you know, having a plan is, is kind of the first, first step, but oftentimes, you know, paying off debt is the first thing that people come up against, you know, they, whether it's student loan debt, or it's uh, a personal loan or, you know, uh, credit card debt. I mean, my goodness, you know, that, that could be daunting, right? And so, you know, you know I, I'd like to just get your all's perspective and, and I'll share my, a little bit of insight. I, I'm a believer, again, I'm kind of a simple thinker and, I, and I'm kind of a, a believer that you can't attack 10 things at once, right? You can't say, I'm just going to pay a little bit on this. And, and because it, it, you feel like you don't get any momentum, you feel like you don't, you're going to be stuck here forever. I, I know friends and, and people that, that have six figure of student loan debt, and they're just like, I'm resigned. I'm going to have this until I'm retired. Just, I think Doug, you were talking about that a little bit ago, it, you know, and, but the point is, is that if you have a plan and you are willing to pay the price and say, look, let's get this under control so that I can be generous uh, so I can enjoy my money, so that I can invest my money. Let's get this debt paid off first. How, how do you guys uh, counsel folks to 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 you know to address and attack this debt 
problem that seems to be everywhere. Uh, Josh uh, or John uh, Stoller, I'd like to start with you again. Um, well, I like the uh, idea of paying off not necessarily the highest interest rate credit card, but the smallest one first. I mean, these guys know that too, that it just, it makes you feel some accomplishment when you pay something off. So, um, you know, you have to pay the minimum on all of them if you have several, but you pay off the smallest one, get rid of that, throw the payment on the next one. You know, it's kind of a snowball deal, but I think that gives you some accomplishment. Like you, you did something, you accomplished something. Um, You know, most people don't really read their credit card statement and they make the minimum payment. Well, if you make that minimum payment on $4,000, you're going to be paying that credit card for 25 years. I mean, it's, it's an incredible, it's an incredible number if you really pay attention to the minimum payment. Um, And it's an, it takes a long time to do that. So that's kind of my thought on, on paying that off. I mean, obviously uh, when I, my first house, loan was 10.25% interest and I was happy. Okay. <laughs> so when I see people get a house loan for two and a half or 3%, that's not such a critical thing to pay off compared to credit cards and other types of loans, car loans. Those are all much higher interest. So that, that would be my thought is uh, pay off the smallest one and get some sense of accomplishment. Yeah, John. It makes you feel like you're getting somewhere. Well, okay. well there's tremendous power in momentum, right? And if, if you've got that fire in your belly that says, okay, I want to take control of my personal finance. What again, no matter what your situation is, you know, I would say let's start by cutting up the credit cards, but that's another discussion. But you know, the, the point is start with one, right? Like you said, John, make sure you're making those minimum payments, but come in there and attack that smallest debt first you're going to feel such an accomplishment. You're going to, you're going to be on fire to say, okay, let's do the next one. You get that momentum. And that's a very powerful thing. Doug, I see you shaking your head way in on that. Well, I think you guys nailed it there um, in, in two ways. One is that, you know, take a little step at a time. Uh, Cause it obviously with anything, it's kind of like, uh, you know, the marathon runner or whatever, you don't get off your couch and, you know, train for a marathon today, um, you know, by running seven miles. Um, If you're a couch potato, the first thing you do is um, day one, you put your tennis shoes on. Now don't run, just put your tennis shoes on. (laughs) But day two, you put your tennis shoes on and you walk around the block. Yeah. And day three, you walk around the block and then you maybe jog for 10 yards or something like that. But, and, and I like what John said. And I think, um, in, in uh, Dave Ramsey's thing, he talks about, John, what you were talking about, yeah. you're obviously well-versed in him. And, you know, I, I don't know what he calls it, but get, get something done and you can keep moving um, better. But the other thing I do want to share with people is that I, I do want you to know if you are joining us today and you have debt, and I know you know this, but I'm just going to tell you, you're not alone, um, that about half of the country is, is, has what's called personal loan debts. That's, you know, not for a home or a car. And it's not about your smarts. It's not about your income. It's not about, um, well, I mean, whether it's your age, I mean, I looked at this chart, I looked up a chart, I did a little research before today and, and, you know, whether people in their 20s, 40s, 60s, uh, on average, you know, you get to your 80s, usually they don't have that. But 
it's all over the place there. It's all over the, all over the income range, lower incomes, higher incomes. They all have it. And, uh, and education, how much education doesn't matter, you know, so True. you're not alone. And, and, um, and, and there's, uh, uh, you know, you can get through this. Um, it just, it takes some time and effort just like anything else in life. Yeah. Doug, you make a great point there. And I, and I think that's what I was talking about having that fire in your belly, you know, in order to take that first step. And I loved your analogy of, you know, going and running a marathon. Cause that, that was me, you know, 15 years ago, I wanted to get in shape and I, I couldn't walk, walk up a set of steps without being out of breath. And I had to do exactly what you just talked about. So I, I totally relate to that, but the idea is you got to have that passion, the fire in the belly, you know, what does God say about money? What does, you know, what, what, what does the Bible tell us about debt? That, it doesn't necessarily say that's a sin, but it doesn't say anything good about debt, right? <laughs> All throughout scripture. So, so I think that's a, a that's a great point. I want to kind of shift, shift the conversation and, and Jason, I'd love to hear your thoughts. You know, once, once somebody, you know, has a, has that fire in the belly and they want to change their situation, wherever they're at in their financial journey, they want to. Uh, they have a. They have a plan. They have a budget in place. They've. They've paid. They're paying down their debt, or they've paid off their debt. You know, we, we talk a lot about investing money is an important thing. So first, before we get into that situation, John mentioned you know having an emergency fund. You know, I like the idea of having a one thousand dollar emergency fund before you start everything because just save up that little bit of money having having it sitting over there in an account where you can't even touch it. And some people struggle to get to a thousand dollars, you know, even a year into this plan. But have that thousand over there, start paying off the debt. You know what does an you know what does an, a good emergency fund look like? John mentioned three to six months. Is that is, is that kind of what you think? And 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 use a uh, general rule. Well, uh, I've, I'm going to kind of go sideways a little bit for a minute, but we're, we've all uh, used Dave Ramsey as a touch point. <clears throat> and uh, what I will tell you is that when I was uh, getting married uh, ten years ago now. Um, my wife and I decided we could either do marriage counseling or we could uh, do Dave Ramsey together. And uh, <laughs> it's kind of the same that, thing. That's what, that's, <laughs> what we had, that's what we had time for one or the other. And so we, we opted for the, uh, for the Dave Ramsey thing. I will be honest. I, I had uh, at that point, I think I had three jobs and one of my jobs was delivering pizza. So all I was doing was listening to the CDs at that point and uh, <laughs> while I was while I was making deliveries. That's and great. we started out, you know, that $1000 is his that's your first homework assignment. Yeah. Um but I I really I think that's important because the point he makes and I will just say uh I I appreciate most of what Dave Ramsey has to say. I know there's he can be a little bit of a lightning rod figure uh depending on where you stand. Uh, and he's, you know, he's not gospel truth, but he's got a lot of good ideas. Anyway, that $1,000, um, we, we did that. And the point he made around it was really good. If you are in a stage of life where a thousand deal to you, that means that when you have a flat tire, you have a, um, you have a life crisis and you have a money crisis at the same time. Amen. Yeah. Because now you've got uh, a flat tire and I'm putting this on a credit card and I'm paying for this for the next four months. Mm. If you just even get that thousand dollars in the bank, then all of a sudden you have a life crisis, but you don't have a money crisis. And we can we can get back to that thousand dollars. So that's the reason that that's homework number one. 
and we we did that and then he gives you some other stuff but then he does come back to that three to six months of a of a savings goal um and i think that's probably a good thing to keep in mind um for um good thing to keep in mind as as a benchmark for for a savings goal um what we do we we all kind of operate by rules of thumb in this industry Mm -hmm. i would say if you're a single income family uh, we would tend towards putting you out towards that six month saving savings goal, just because if that one source of income goes down, um, you know, you got to plan for the expenses of the house. Uh, if it's dual income and it's roughly equal, you know, you can, you can tend more towards the, the three months of income. So we, we try to do that. Well, uh, and there's also a question there, should it be three months of income or three months worth of expenses. And I would, I would tend to say, let's make it three months worth of uh, expenses just because income, you know, I'm a CPA. So it's, that's all pre-tax. You're, you're thinking about that. So yeah, exactly. On income, uh, well, Jason, I think, I think those are all great points that you, that you bring to the table and, you know, and I think about, um, you know, going back to, you know, February of, 2020, you know, people may have had, you know, there was a, there was a couple of studies I, I looked at people had $500 on average in their, in their checking account. And then a pandemic hits and, the, and there's a global shutdown of, of everything, right? People couldn't get out of their homes in, in a lot of cases here in Morgantown even, and, and people, you know, lost jobs and things like that. And then we had here in Morgantown, we had the, the closure of the, of the Milan Beatrice uh, plant, 1500 jobs gone. So you never know, when that emergency could hit and we don't know the extent of it. Right. So we're, we're talking about here is peace of mind, right. knowing that, that things are still going to be okay. You know, God provides we're, we're believers. We understand that God's going to provide, he's going to get us through the storm, but by the same token, it's on us to, to be prepared as well. Right. With our, with our finances. So I, I love your, your advice there. So guys, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, investing, you know, how does somebody get started in investing? What's what are some like, especially a young person, or or it, maybe it's somebody who's fifty years old and says, "Look, I haven't started saving for retirement yet. Is it too late? Am I doomed?" You know, what are some what are some practical things people can be doing to to start taking care of? And I, I hate to use the word retirement. I, I never see myself retiring personally. I'm just going to be in a different phase of my life, you know, because I love my work and I, I love my calling, uh, doing what I do. But you know, other folks out there thinking about retirement, you know, uh, what are, what are some practical things that people should be doing to get started in investing their money, John? Well, if you work somewhere that has a retirement plan, you should be in that plan, especially if they match. Uh, your contribution, you know, a lot of 401ks, uh, 403bs will match a portion of what you're going to put in. So that's free money. These guys know that. So, you know, free money is always the best kind that the employer is going to give it to you. You should take advantage of it. For younger folks, I would say that they should, if there's a Roth option and a Roth, in, uh, basically you can put money in pre or post tax, but uh, it ends up being tax-free in the future. So for a younger person, that's really a great plan to use. And you don't have to be at a large company to do that. You can have a Roth at the bank. You can have a Roth at an investment company with one of somebody like us. You can do it on your own online. 
Uh, you don't have to come to someone like us just to save money. You know, it can be done on your phone. Uh, and that's a great place to start, especially for younger folks. They're so used to using the apps and everything. There's apps that'll take your extra change and throw it in an account for you. Um, yeah. I can't say that I'm an expert at that, uh, but I think those are great tools that people can use uh, to get started. Yep. Frankly, you know. Doug, what's, what's a good um, rule of thumb? You guys talked about rule of thumb earlier, a rule of thumb for investment savings, retirement planning. What, uh, what, what do you guys, what, it's your practice. What do you recommend? Well, so um, that's a very wide open question. It's a very good one. I can say what the, you know, whatever the research today says that a person should be saving 10 to 15% of their money. And, you know, John nailed it there. I mean, the first thing you do is you take advantage of any matching contributions that you get at work, because I may be a wonderful individual, but I'm not going to give you any free money, but your employer might. So um, take advantage of that first. And, but you, you know, that 10 to 15% is really, obviously that, that can be a lot of money and, and um, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but um, part of it depends on, um, you know, what your, what your purpose is and what your plan is in retirement. Um, Do you have a pension? Like if you work for the, um, you know, federal government, you've got a nice pension. So maybe you don't need to save 15%, but if uh, you and your spouse, if it's two of you and neither one of you have a pension, you'd probably be better looking at, at that, at that higher number. And, And again, that may back to what we were talking about earlier, if you haven't started, don't maybe you don't want to start at fifteen percent because that's like going on a diet, and not eating anything, or you know you're going to crash and burn. But like I had a friend of mine um, said that his brother told him he, he didn't have any money, newly married, and and um, you know no money, and and his brother said put something in your four hundred one k, and he's like I don't have any money, and he he says he says I'm poor, I'm broke, and uh, I'm I'm in poverty, and and so his brother said, well, what's one percent of poverty? You can put 1% in your 401k. And, and he did. And that's where he started 30 yeah. some years ago. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I, I go back to uh, the great um, author, Stephen Covey in his seven habits of highly effective people talks about beginning with the end in mind. So Jason, we talked a lot about planning, you know, is that, is that a good strategy to say, maybe like, where do I want to be at say age 65 where do I want to be? What, what, what do I see my life looking at? And then start, you know, looking backwards and saying, okay, this is, if I want to get there, here's why I need to start. Is that kind of a, a mindset that, that, that bring, you know, has validity? I, yeah, absolutely. I think that that's the, that's a, that's a wonderful attitude to take. Um, now, what I will say is that if you would have asked me to, <clears throat> to sketch that out at age 18 or age 22, um, that would have been a hard assignment for me to do. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah. but I think it is definitely something worth f- thinking about, even if it's just putting in, you know, putting in 10 minutes of thought about that while you're, while you're going over your uh, HR documents at the beginning of a job to say, okay, we should, we should be doing something here. What, what should I be doing just to go off a little bit, um, you know, you look at the charts and whatever the rule of thumb is, um, if you look at the savings that someone does earlier in their career uh, versus savings that are investing that they do towards the middle, even later part of the career, uh, even though over and over and over again, you look at the charts, 
even though you end up putting putting away more and more money as you get farther into your career, um, almost without exception, the money that you have invested early in your career will have grown to a, a bigger piece of that pie than what the money that you put in later does, just because of the time value and the um, and the compounding effect of uh, of investing. So, uh, definitely, the earlier that you can start that process of thinking, what do I want my life to look like? Um, what it will do is it will give you more more options as you get farther into your career. So, yeah. you know, you start planning for age sixty five. Maybe you find out at age fifty that. I have some options now. So. Yeah. You know, hey, Jim, it, yeah, yeah. Can no. I throw one more thing in? Absolutely. Um, if you don't mind. So this is great. One thing I don't, uh, one thing I don't want to forget to talk about is, you know, we're talking about saving money and, and you got to cover all the other things before we start saving money. Like the emergency fund is great, but if you have a family, if you're single, this is no big deal. Or if you're a married couple and you have kids, it's not so important. But if you have a family, you have to have life insurance, okay? I, I've, I've been doing this a long time, and I'm, unfortunately, I have delivered lots of death claims, and that can financially ruin a family if you don't have that covered and in place. Uh, you might have a, a the one spouse works, the other spouse is, is helping with the children, and if that spouse that works passes away and you only have an emergency fund, your family is going to be devastated. I, I can assure you that will happen. So I think that people need to look at term insurance. That's the least expensive. Yep. It's really cheap, especially if you don't smoke. But I, I don't want to miss that point of that basic protection and, and disability insurance. If you, if you work somewhere that offers disability insurance, you should, you should sign up for that. I mean, I can't tell you how many people that, I, that are in their 50s I meet with and they don't have that in place at work. And I, I make them do it the next day because yeah. it's cheaper through the employer than I can do it for them. But I can't stress enough the, the value of protecting your family in case really bad stuff happens. Mm. Um, I, I mean, I've seen it firsthand where I have regretted not talking to someone uh, and said, hey, I wanna to talk to you about your life insurance. And unfortunately that person passed away. And yeah. I, I felt like I, I'm, I should have done more. And I, I John, just want thank you. Thank, thank you so much for bringing that up. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that is such an, an important component of this whole personal finance discussion. I had a, uh, one of my good friends uh, passed away uh, earlier this year. Uh, well, at the beginning of uh, January, 2021 and uh, unexpectedly, you know, and uh Sure. Didn't have didn't have that in place, and it's been devastating just to just to witness that. And unfortunately, uh, it could have been taken care of. You know, it's just a you know a couple bucks a, a week kind of situation. So, great great point, and thank you for for sharing that. Uh, you know, guys, um, you know we've we've talked. Of, you know, in, investing is is not just an important thing for for. Um, you, you know, your retirement, it's, it's also about leaving a legacy in a lot of cases, you know, the, in Proverbs, it talks about how a wise person leaves an inheritance for their grandchildren, their children's children. And, you know, I, uh, as a, as a new grandpa, uh, in the, in the last, uh, 15 months or so, uh, I could relate to that, you know, and it's like, you know, that legacy, uh, could, could be an important thing. And it, you know, it's, I think it's just wise to, to steward, 
the resources we have. I, I view everything, my business, my, my home, uh, you know, the, the money that we do have, it's not being mine, not being my wife's, but it's God's money. We're just here on earth to steward that, take care of those resources. It reminds me of the parable, the talents and, and, you know, in that story, um, you know, the, the guy who went and buried the money gets scolded, you know, you should have brought me interest with this, you know? And so I think that, you know, the eighth wonder of the world is compounding interest and watching those dollars grow and investing and and stewarding, giving, investing, uh, enjoying some of that money. That's what we're supposed to do with, with our money and our personal finances. And, you know, I just, I feel like, you know, you guys all brought so much uh, value to this discussion. As we as we close out our time uh, here today, I would love to go around the horn once again and just kind of get uh, your all's um, you know parting thoughts, words words of wisdom, if you will, on the subject of money and, and personal finance, especially as it relates to folks uh, in 2022. John, I'd love to close out the argue, or the uh, the comments with you, and then we'll just go around the horn. Well. I, I- I'll say this to the folks that might be listening that are uh, did pretty well, okay? And they're a little bit older, they're in retirement, they've done well with their money and they want to help the church, help some organizations around town that are charities. One of the best things you can do if you're over 70 and a half or 72 is, you know, there's a thing called a required minimum distribution that you have to take out. And I know these guys know all about, it's called a QCD a qualified charitable donation. And that is the best tool that I have seen to give money to the church or to a charity that you have to take out of your retirement plan at that age. And uh, it's really the, the, the best tool that I've seen. So it's called a QCD. That would be uh, one bit of advice I'd give to people that have done well and, and that want to help the church or uh, some other organizations in town. Awesome. John, thank you. Doug, I'd like to go to you next. What's one, uh, what are your parting thoughts? Um, well, I, I think the first thing we kind of talked about this two or three times, but I guess maybe just reiterated is, is don't uh, take the next step. Like now when you shut this thing off, uh, do something to get you moving. And, you know, even if it's chop the credit card up, if it's give one more dollar to charity or just set a plan for a week from now, let's talk about this and start working. So I would say that would be one. Number two, part of the process, I think, to help people to get better or smarter is to have, you know, the best the best people in the world have coaches and partners to help them be better. And so find an accountability partner. It might be your spouse. It might be a, might be a small group. Uh, it could be an author that you read, or it could be a financial advisor. You've got to say that because I am one, right? Um, but you know, you can visit with two or there's, there's 300,000 financial advisors out there. So there's plenty, plenty of us, right? But uh, any good financial advisor would be happy to sit down with you two or three times and, and just kind of find out where you're at. And, and, you know, you can decide if it's, you know, somebody that you feel comfortable with and you want to make sure obviously it's somebody you're comfortable with because you'd be working with them for a long time. Um, And then just, I guess, finally, just, I would say, pat yourself on the back for, for taking a little time to, to join us and, um, you know, I was just going to say to get something to get smarter. Maybe you aren't, maybe you're sitting there thinking I just wasted 45 minutes of my day. These guys don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know, but hopefully you got one or two nuggets out of today yeah. and, and, you know, good job. You, you did take the first step by just, by just hanging around with us for a little while today. So, yeah, that's good. Good stuff. Jason, uh, close us out here with, uh, with your, with your parting thoughts. Well, I don't want to get too, uh, 
I don't want to necessarily get too church centric on you, but uh, I think that the the thing that resonates with me uh, when we start talking about money, you know, we've talked about it a lot. We're stewards of what God has given us. Yeah. Um, I think whether you're Good coming point. from either a uh, a church background, not a church background, uh, money is a very uh, integral part of life, and it is a a reflection of your values. And so um, I'm reminded, if, if you don't mind me reading Matthew 6, verse 19 through uh, 21, it says, don't, Jesus says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I think that's kind of what drives my idea of what is enough. Where is your treasure? What are, what are you, what are you building up? And at the end of the day, uh, we want to plan. We want to be good stewards. We need to make sure that we're setting ourselves and our families up in a good place financially. Mm. But when you talk about inheritance, um, you know, there's a financial component to that, but there's also uh, a spiritual and a legacy component of that as well. And Mm. so we just need to be careful um, and be intentional in saying that we want our treasure to be where our heart is and we want our heart to be where our treasure is. Those things mm-hmm. kind of go back and forth. So um, the physical treasure can become uh, an idol pretty easily. Um, so we had to make sure that we rein that in and we say that we want to use that treasure for what's actually important to us in our hearts and our lives. So. Yeah. Thank you, Jason, man. What a, what a great, uh, great concept right there. And that's, I think just a great place to close out our, our time on this, uh, discussion today. I, uh, I feel like we've only scratched the surface. We we've been at this for almost an hour, but man, we we covered a lot of ground, and I really appreciate you guys bringing your A game, bringing the wisdom, and I just want to thank our real life team of panelists for their time and expertise on the subject of money today. John Stoller, uh, he's the co-founder and financial planner at. Orion Financial in Morgantown, Doug Kramer, and Edward Jones Financial Advisor for more than 25 years, Jason Bolin, a CPA and CFP with Cunningham, Powell, Alexander in Morgantown. Guys, thank you so much for being here and bringing, bringing this so much wisdom and, and thoughtfulness to, to the discussion today. Thank you, guys. You're welcome, James. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Finally, we'll just close in prayer. If we can just bow our heads, Heavenly Father, thank you for this time that we spent together. Thank you for John and and Doug and Jason for their compassion, their heart, and and, you know, most of all, their wisdom that they uh, share with us today. Your word teaches us that we're to be good stewards of our resources and that we should leave an inheritance for our children's children and so much more wisdom that you share with us in the pages of the Bible on money and our finances. We just ask that you give us the wisdom to be good stewards of our money. Um, we strive as we strive to honor your word here on earth, uh, help us to be responsible with the resources you've blessed us with help us to be faithful over the little things so that we can be trusted with more. You are our provider Lord. And God, we just, we just love you. We need you in our lives uh, in Jesus name. We pray. Thanks again for watching Real Life, presented by Chestnut Ridge Church. Uh, Once again, I'm your host, Jim Matuga. It's been an honor and a privilege to be here, uh, host this show today. And remember that Jesus truly is the way to real life.